Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also listen to him on the Best Coast Boys Podcast. Landon, what's going on, sir? Not much. We, uh, <laughs> we keep waiting. We keep getting delayed. We keep waiting. We keep getting delayed with sure. the CBA thing. So uh, we're going to kind of continue to press through and talk about some draft prospects today, I think. Uh, eventually, we're going to get to free agency. I, I have a feeling, <laughs> at right? Some point, Ev- at, eventually, it's going to come. At some point, the, the other shoe's going to drop, and they're going to let us actually go out there and sign some players, I think, yes. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I'm thinking Monday might be the first day that we get to talk about some of that kind we'll of stuff. We'll see, yes, for sure. Well, we, uh, we shall see. Um, today, we're going to do kind of a fun exercise. We're going to talk about three uh, draft prospects. Uh, but three guys that aren't necessarily in the Cowboys' range, or at least we don't think so. We're going to talk about guys who could potentially fall to spots where the Cowboys could draft, or maybe even fall to 17 altogether. Um, so these are considered some of the elite players in the draft. And let's go ahead and start with C.D. Lamb of Oklahoma. Uh, for the most part, I think he's the uh, top receiver in this class. I think that's the consensus. Um, but you're starting to see more mock drafts with him falling uh, not only outside the top 10, but potentially down to picks 14, 15, 16, and even 17 in some mock drafts to the Cowboys. Lena, let's go ahead and start with the player itself. What did you see from CeeDee Lamb uh, when you studied him on tape? Well, it's first of all, it's just funny because you know I've watched some of these other top guys, and CeeDee Lamb was really the only one who I hadn't watched because of the uh, what we had discussed, that this guy seemed kind of out of our range, right? Sure. Uh, I totally see why. I mean, man, like he, I, I, I thought he looked like, and I, and I came back to you and I and told you that I thought he looked like a, a skinny fast. Uh, uh, wait, who was it? That I said Larry, Larry Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. That's yep. right. Yeah, skinny fast Larry Fitzgerald, and and and, and uh, I, I mean, just the way he runs. You know, first of all, six one, uh, one hundred ninety eight pounds, thirty two and two eighths arms arm length. 76 and 58 wingspan. He's a skinny, lanky body dude with some room to grow, but despite that, uh he is really physical. He plays physical, mm-hmm. he runs routes aggressively. I-, I love the way he plays, you know, with his demeanor. Uh he's he likes to mix it up and be physical. He likes to block. He likes to uh uh get in there and and take shots on guys. Uh the thing that's making him, uh, I think, the thing that makes him so uh, desirable and so so you know unique is his short area explosion is absolutely, absolutely. elite for a guy that that's that size. Uh, right. And I think that combined with uh, his aggressive running style really really keeps the coverage guys off balance. I think it's hard it's hard to kind of get a good read on him because he's running so hard. And then he stops so suddenly and, and then is able to change direction. I think, you know, it just spooks these guys, you know, and it's, it, 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 it's really interesting to watch him run his, his routes because you see guys who are smooth, you know, and that can like, uh, that kind of transition and, and, and ramp up and down with speed really well and, and kind of, 
uh, uh, can change up their speed, and then you know that that can kind of throw you off a little bit as a coverage guy. This guy just presses you so hard off the line of scrimmage with his with his route running, and then will cut on a dime, and, and suddenly you're running so hard to try to keep up with him, uh, and then he'll suddenly stop and he'll change, he'll come back this way, uh, and and he's so quick off the line and so physical that I think these corners, you know, they get susceptible to thinking that they got to jam him real hard and run fast. And then that, that leaves them open to, you know, whatever his first move is. And, and that's, it's really, really impressive to watch him get open. Mm-hmm. All these guys are, st- you know, they, they start out up, 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 up on top of him and then they end up, uh, you know, a couple yards back, just <laughs> scared of where he's going to go at this point. Uh, and yeah. So last thing, uh, go ahead. Only, the only last thing, his body control and hands are Absolutely, unbelievable, yes. man. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. he he. That's the thing is, if it was just the, the the way he ran routes, I you know, and the way he uh way he moves, uh, I think that would be enough to be kind of a, mid, a low to mid first rounder. But his ability to high point the ball, to attack the ball, to make catches you know and a lot of different weird angles and the athleticism and body control to to finish those those uh plays that's that's you know the extra bump that gets him up uh, above i think a a lot of the rest of these guys where does he win explosive aggressive route runner with good hands uh and i really I, i told you before we started i didn't really have any unanswered questions i think he's a guy i think that can go to almost any team uh in any system and probably thrive because he's just his skill set is so uh, conducive to just you know production. So uh, I, I'm a big fan of this kid. All right, um, I I think you nailed it. I just wanted to add a couple little tidbits in here. Um, I think the concern coming with, into the combine for him was what was his long speed. I think some people were concerned maybe that he was going to run like a four five seven four five eight. Uh, he ran a four five zero, which that's that's fine for me right that that's perfect um but what was more impressive yeah. was the 10 yard split exactly uh he had a 10 yard split of one four six the second fastest of all the receivers at the combine the only one that was faster uh was henry ruggs if you look at the data over the last oh i don't know 20 drafts since 1999 however many drafts it is uh, that's in the 96th percentile for 10-yard split, and you see that on tape, right? That's how he wins is he's so quick off the line of scrimmage. Uh, he can create separation. Once he catches a pass, he can get upfield really quickly. There's a couple times, I think, against Texas uh, where he had he was facing the quarterback on a, like a comeback route and was able to turn around and get upfield before the defender even knew what hit him. Uh, just I think he's a special athlete that maybe doesn't test well. Right, sure. like the, the the overall numbers might not be super great, but he's just one of these guys that you get on the field with his quickness, with his power, with his physicality. He's special. I also think it's important to note uh, when he was at Oklahoma, he was the team's punt returner over someone like Hollywood Brown, who you would think you know would be better suited for that role. And Ceedee Lamb was absolutely fantastic doing that. So I I, I love him. I think he's the best receiver in the class. Um, but I can see a scenario, Landon, where he does fall uh, maybe outside the top 12 picks, and this is how it happens, right? So at pick eight is really where you start looking at the receivers. Uh, I think the Cardinals are an obvious team to draft the receiver, but if they go ahead and pass there, you then have uh, the Jets and the Browns pick at 10 and 11. The Raiders will take a receiver at 12, 
But there's starting to be some chatter that uh, maybe Henry Ruggs is the first receiver drafted. And if that's the case, maybe Jerry Judy goes to Denver at 15 and then C.D. Lamb falls to 17. Um, if that's the case... We'll, we'll start with that. Is there any player that you're really taking over C.D. Lamb if he follows the 17, or is that just too good of value to pass up? Uh, I mean, I can't think of a scenario where there is another player that is of C.D. Lamb quality also there at 17, I guess is the, okay, is so the like, best way for to example, it, yeah. For example, if C.J. Henderson is there, who do you take? C.D. Lamb. Okay. And I, I, I agree with you. I would assume the same for Clavion Chason and the rest of those names, correct? I mean, if if by the rest of the names you mean the the people that are typically found at 17, yes. Yeah, yes. the guys that are not, not the down. people that okay. we're doing today, then yes, absolutely. Now, the next question I have for you is, is there any scenario in which you would go up to get CeeDee Lamb, even if it's just to go up to pick 14 or 15? Or are you just waiting at that point? I honestly no, I don't. I, I think I think okay. because here's the thing, uh, you know it. The problem is is that it's when he comes to, comes to you at seventeen, you're you're picking best player available, right? Uh, yes, I, I'm agreeing. And, with and, you and I, yep. I think the thing is is that trading up, giving up assets to go give a wide receiver, that is counterintuitive to me. Especially in this draft. Yes, I agree. Because I think there's you can get good wide receivers later on. I'm going to go under the assumption that we are going to sign Cooper. So if we sign Cooper, adding CeeDee Lamb is like icing on the cake. Like, let's go make 40 burgers, right? But, right. but I, I think that there is a line that, you know, between picking him at 17 and giving up more assets to go up and get him at a higher uh, thing yeah, I agree. that I don't want to cross, I think. I, I absolutely agree. I, I think you can find starters in the second day of this draft. I'm not giving up those picks to go get a player I really like, but maybe don't need right away. Um, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk about Clemson linebacker Isaiah Simmons. Guys, let's talk about sex. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach since they're chewable. They work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guys who want extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships them direct, so they're cheaper than even a pharmacy would have. Right now, we have a special offer offer for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code NFL. Just pay $5 of shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code NFL to try it for free. All right, Landon. Um, Simmons from Clemson, uh, one of the best athletes in this class. Um, you know, he could play a ton of different positions. But again, you can make up a scenario where he potentially falls maybe outside the top 10 of this draft. Uh, before we even get to that point, let's talk about the player. What did you see from Isaiah Simmons on film? 
Well, he's not very good, this guy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> That's why he should yeah, fall, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> so, 6'3", uh, 5'8", five, five 238 pounds, uh, 33 and 3 eighths arms, 81 and 7 eighths, almost an 82-inch wingspan. Insane. Uh, just, I mean, you know, like, honestly, the hardest part about this thing was trying to come up with... Uh, with the, all the uh, descriptors, you know, like uh, unbelievable athlete and uh, unprecedented uh, versatility are, are things that I had to use. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like this guy is uh, a rare, rare kid, you know. I mean, I think we, we said the same thing about uh, about a um, about similar guys in the past. I mean, uh, I, I think that, you know, he's one of these guys who in the past a long time ago probably would have been uh uh you know taken and and discarded easily because uh mm-hmm. he he's he's a he didn't have a, a true tweener, position yep. yeah or you know whatever you want to you know and i think you start seeing guys like derwin james last year who i think is very comparable to this guy who you know i, I think fell unrightfully because teams were like well he's a safety you know and and i don't know if how useful that this guy is if you have the right defensive coordinator, this is probably the most valuable player on your defense. I like, agree. Yep. In, in the first three snaps I saw, he played linebacker as a blitzer. He played overhang s- strong safety in coverage. And then he his third, he played single safety high in coverage. I mean, he's just – it really is unprecedented in how versatile this guy is. I mean, a- athlete – I don't really need to get into the athleticism. Everyone saw the combine. Uh, I mean, he – his, his – uh, you know – I think there was a certain amount of of at the combine kind of double counting his athleticism. Oh, I mean, yeah, I, t- I told the story that you know of of, uh, of of watching it with my friend and saying, "Oh, this guy's going to run a four four, and then he ended up running a four three nine. And you know, I think stuff like that. You know, the broad jump, thirty nine inch uh, vertical. This is a guy who, in the modern NFL, like I said, if you get the right defensive coordinator, you can put him wherever. And week to week. Mm-hmm. You figure out where you need to line up Isaiah Simmons in order to get the best matchup and to get the rest of the best players you need on your on the field, uh, and, and and just know that wherever you're going to put him, he's going to be great. Like he's, it's so. Where do you think his best position is in the NFL? If he had to play a, a single position, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably weak side linebacker. I guess. Probably. I mean, I, I honestly, I think strong safety. I mean, just because, and I know that that doesn't like move the needle for a lot of people, but I mean, imagine if you had Darren Woodson back. I, I mean, you know, like this is like a tall, yeah. a bigger Darren Woodson. Imagine if you had a guy who you could play at safety. He could play single safety high if you know they try to rotate you into a, 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 an uncomfortable situation. He could do that. He could. I mean, you want to cover tight ends? This is your guy. Like, you, you, you want to cover, you know, in the slot? You know, if you, do you want your safety to be able to get down and cover guys in the slot? This is your guy. Like, I just think playing him at weak side linebacker puts him in more more of the action. You know, throughout the game, right? He's probably more consistently involved rather than as a strong safety. I, I agree, but I also think that if you're playing him as a weak side linebacker only. Then you're not getting nearly the val- the draft value. That's that's my whole thing. Is that where you have to draft this guy? Uh, this is a top ten player. This is a top. This should be a top five player. Uh, but the problem is, is that if you draft him and just play him at linebacker, 
you're not really getting the well, value out, out of the position, out of what makes this kid valuable. All right. So, and this is my thing. Why I think there's a chance he could fall a little sure, bit in this draft. Absolutely. Like, okay. Let's let's play this out a little yeah. bit. So, Bengals at one are taking a quarterback. We'll assume Chase Young goes two to Washington. Uh, I have a feeling three is going to be the trade up for a quarterback, probably between Miami. The Giants sitting at four. I don't think they take a linebacker, knowing kind of Jason Garrett. My guess is they're going to retry to build that offensive line. Then you're back at five with Detroit. I'm, a, I'm kind of guessing Okuda goes there. Chargers at six. They could very easily go with a quarterback. So now we're at pick seven. Uh, the Panthers have already invested a lot of picks into linebackers. Are they going to take one? We'll see. Arizona, we talked about them as a, as a potential wide receiver candidate. Jacksonville needs an offensive lineman. Cleveland needs an offensive lineman. The Jets need an offensive lineman. So it's I'm not saying it's likely, but you could make a case that he could fall maybe outside the top eight or nine picks. And at that point, do the Cowboys consider going to move up and get him? Because like you just said, I think his his value is being able to move him all over the field. But in Dallas, he probably would have to be a strong safety given what they already have at linebacker. Are you willing to give up two assets to go get a strong safety? Probably not. And that's kind of how I feel. I love Isaiah Simmons. I think he's going to be a fantastic pro. But probably not, right, considering some of the other needs Dallas has. Now, you want to talk about this next guy falling to me. Okay. Now, let's let's go ahead and do that because now I'm excited. Now, And there's been a lot of talk about Derek Brown <laughs> on Twitter over the last uh, couple weeks. Um, his positional value, the testing numbers, the you know the three-cone. Pay no attention uh, we'll to get... that three-cone that he did on, 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 on Twitter, guys. Pay no... He sure. ran an 8-3-3. Everyone should focus on that three-cone because that's that's the one that's uh, that, that's important to all you NFL decision-makers. This is coming from somebody who desperately wants Derek Brown on his I'm team. I'm speaking to you um, specifically, NFL decision-makers uh, on the team <laughs> picking 1 through 16. Okay. Um, we can talk about Derek's, Derek Brown's film in a second. Okay. Um, but I do want to talk about this point in general. There seems to be some you know, discourse about uh, how high do you take non-elite pass rushers at defensive tackle in the first round. Because uh, there were some arguments that you know, even if Brown turns out to be someone like Akeem Hicks or Eddie Goldman or Linval Joseph, that player's not even worth drafting in the first round, let alone in the top 10. How do you feel about those you know, bigger defensive tackles that play with power that might not be the elite pass rushers in the NFL? How do, you, how do we value those guys in 2020? Well, I, I mean, I think that, I mean, give, give me the list of guys that you just, I mean, you talked about Limbaugh Joseph. Who, who are some of the other guys? Akeem, that, Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, uh, Brandon Williams, some of those guys. Yeah, I mean, this guy's way better than all those guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, that's the thing is that I think that if you watch the tape, this guy is not, <laughs> this guy is not not having an effect on the quarterback. Let's be absolutely I clear. agree. That's and, the, that's and that's maybe my biggest complaint with some of these other people. They're pigeonholing him, him because they see the 330 weight and they see the three cone, that he's not somebody who affects the, the quarterback at all. I don't think that's true whatsoever. Yeah, I, and that's that's the thing that's crazy to me is that, like, you're looking at stats, uh, you're looking at sacks, you're looking at, at pressures. Uh, you know, I, I think when you look, when you watch the game tape, like... <laughs> They are literally putting three guys on him to block him. 
If you yeah. if you don't Especially, think that watch the LSU game, the LSU yeah, game is a perfect I mean, example. If, of that. if you don't think like they they seriously at one point, I, I was at one point they gave up three people trying to block him. They had two guys blocking him, and then one guy just basically like tackling him at the legs. So, I mean, if you don't think that requiring three guys to block somebody is having an effect on the passing game, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's – that's the thing is that he he requires so much attention that – you know, let's just get to the notes. Let's just go to the tape, guys. Let's do it. Uh, Yeah, let's go to the tape. 6'4", 5'8", 326 pounds, 34-2-8-inch arms – uh, just enormous man with long arms mm-hmm. and thick build everywhere. Uh, great. I mean, the thing that's not the thing that makes him amazing. The thing no. that makes him amazing to me is that he has got ankle and hip flexion that allows him to coil up and play with a pad level that is extremely, well, it's just very nice for a guy his size. And, and, and what that does is that it really accentuates his strength. He's just he's just ridiculously strong in general, but also with the with the ability to you know flex be flexible in his hips and his ankles, he can get low, he can coil up uh, it, when he's anchored, even against double teams by SEC offensive linemen. They're not getting a bunch of movement on him, uh, nope. despite testing numbers. He gets a great jump off the snap. I mean, his his short area quickness and, and explosion for a guy that size is. Is good. It's not. It's, it, that's not part of the problem here. Um, he's incredible at playing off blocks to make tackle at or line behind the behind the scrimmage. He will use a long arm to keep a guard off of him as he uses the other arm to bring down the the running backer guard. I mean, it's he does stuff like that where he throws guys around. He's playing with with interior offensive linemen. Explodes into the blockers with uh, then controls with his hands. He keeps his eye level high so he can see and react to action. Uh, despite being clearly a one-tech, zero-tech sized, he lines up all up and down the line, including a, a snap I saw as a standing defensive end. Uh, gets held on almost every single play. Like, I, I, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, He's very hard to officiate. Yes, because, I mean. It's almost like dude, LeBron in basketball because he's so big and powerful. Yeah, it's just crazy. Every single snap I see guys grabbing fistful of jersey just or just tack. Literally, like, I was not joking or exaggerating about the play where they had two guys blocking him while a third guy literally dove at his legs and then wrapped his arms around them. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that's what they have to do to try to stop him. Uh, requires re- tremendous resources to be stopped inside. Uh, just absolutely, fa- and this is the other thing I wanted to bring up. Absolutely fantastic on stunts and games where he can attack a blocker and free up his teammate. Uh, where does he win? He's a blocking scheme destroyer. Basically, whatever your scheme is, you better add an extra guy in there because he, you know. And that's the other thing too is what happens when you get this guy with a Demarcus Lawrence and maybe even a third pass rusher. Yeah, I- I'm I'm really glad that you brought that up because that's. It's going to be a lot of his value as well is he's going to be able to demand double teams and win sometimes against double teams, freeing up guys uh, like Demarcus Lawrence and Robert Quinn. Remember, ESPN tweeted out uh, the win rates for edge rushers this year on one-on-ones, and both Robert Quinn and Demarcus Lawrence were in the elite, elite percentile. Imagine if you could get those matchups more often for the Cowboys, where you could have on almost every third down, you could have Demarcus Lawrence one-on-one. 
all of a sudden that's where your your entire pass rush gets better because of one player in the middle. Yeah, and again, like you know, I I think a lot of what Derek Brown was doing at Auburn was freeing up Marlon Davidson, you know. Yeah, who it, it was a good player in itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It wasn't like they didn't have talent there, but I mean, a lot of what what was happening with the pass rush was everybody's focused on Derek Brown, so let that freeze up a guy like Marlon Davidson to kind of clean up a little bit. So mm-hmm. uh, he was still second on his team in the SEC in, sna- in sacks as, as a as a you know in, interior defensive lineman. So is an All American. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not like this guy doesn't have uh, uh, you know. Credit, uh, credits here or skins on the wall yeah uh, so I, I yeah i think to me uh, he's the guy we, we, you keep asking this question he's the guy that if he starts to fall if he starts getting outside of the you know 10 or if he gets to 10 uh, i'm making a phone call i'm finding mm. out how much how much is it going to cost me Derek brown not only fits you know what we need he's a he's a very rare player i think and and i you know i i for one I'm not at all scared of his uh, of his combine numbers or anything like that. I seen the tape. I know what this guy can do. Oh yeah. Well, let's let's talk about the combine numbers really quickly. Uh, they're not as bad as what people are telling you. Um, uh, math bomb Kentley Plate, who does the relative athletic scoring. If you just remove the three cone and you leave all the other drills in there, he still scores in the 80th percentile for all defensive tackles. So that's everything else was good outside the three cone. But again, that's not really how he wins anyways. He's not going to be winning by bending around the edges or trying to beat, you know, guys with speed and quickness, uh, you know, at the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, or bending around them. What he's going to do is his ability to get off the line of scrimmage and forklift guys into their shoulder pads and up off the ground is how he wins. And that actually matches what we saw uh, with his measurables. I, I said this the other day in one of our podcasts, but if you look at all the defensive tackles who weighed at least 315 pounds over the last decade, uh, Derek Brown has the third fastest 10-yard split of that group. Uh, Don Terry Poe is the only other notable guy ahead of him. And he has the fourth best broad jump, with which indicates your explosion. So the numbers actually aren't that bad. Yeah. Um, in, in, in terms of fit, we do this... Cowboy fans typically do this weird thing. Well, we'll watch all 16 games of the season. We'll recognize the weakness of the team, which was, hey, they didn't have anybody in the middle of their defense that could demand a double team and keep their linebackers clean. But then we get to February, March, and April, and all of a sudden we don't want to draft those guys because, well, they're not the elite sack getters. They're they're not the you know they're not an elite athlete. But this is exactly what the Cowboys defense needs to get them playing to that next level consistently, correct? Yeah, I mean, I think, look, this is why I'd be willing to go, is that you, you, add, you add that to what we've got here and, and able to assign one more pass rusher, if you maybe somehow convince Quinn to come back. Sure, man, yeah. Now you're cooking with gas, right? Now you've really got something going, and, and, and that really makes whatever you do on the back end a lot more palatable, you know, especially if you have to end up sure. losing Byron Jones. So what's the most that you would pay to go up and get Derek Brown? Like, what's the limit for you? I mean, the, by second-round pick. Okay, so you're a little bit even more bold than I am, and I love him. I, I think, for me, it's the third, probably, just because I think you can get a starter. That's what I would prefer. I, you, I mean, I would definitely, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I mean, I would say well, if the deal was there in front of me, I have sure. a hard time turning it down, I think. if I, if I You know, just because... I, I I think it's unlikely that we even get the chance, 
you know so uh, if if it does then I, I i i would have a hard time saying no yeah yeah i probably would hold out and just wait for three just because i think you can find a corner in the second round um but again let's play out the scenario of him potentially dropping because i do think there's a chance that it happens uh we'll start at pick seven that's kind of seems like the the beginning of his range uh carolina is probably the team i'm the most concerned with they showed a lot of interest there uh if they don't pick them you could see a bit of a fall uh, again arizona's probably going offensive line their defensive line's pretty much set uh jacksonville's defensive line is good with calais campbell they drafted Taven bryan in 2018 uh cleveland has sheldon richardson who they gave a big deal to uh the jets have uh um excuse me um Quinton Williams, who they drafted at number three last year, I doubt they take another defensive tackle there. Man, that'd be and amazing we're starting if at, they did. Really? Yeah, yeah. At this point, then we start at twelve with the Raiders. Do you think Rod Marinelli would like this type of defensive tackle? No. Okay. I mean, and yeah. I mean, ma- I mean, maybe, maybe, but I, 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 I mean, this is exactly the kind of guy that I can imagine them, you know, saying, "No, we don't need a guy like that." No, nah, we can find, we can find somebody uh-huh. like. So then to me, 13 is where you start getting into the range of where he could go. I don't think Tampa Bay drafts him because it seems like Vita Vea and Derek Brown is a little overkill for that position. Uh, then Denver, Atlanta, Dallas. So I think there's a chance he gets to pick 13, maybe pick 14, 15. And then a third-round pick's not that much to go up and get maybe one of the top, what, five, six players in this draft. I, I think of the three players we talked about, him falling into the teens is probably the most realistic, correct? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I, you know, I, 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 I find it surprising that we're talking. I mean, honestly, it's weird, but I find it surprising that that we're talking about him being more likely to fall than Ceedee Lamb. But it's true, you know. I, I think, you know, it's at this point that people are gonna overbuy into the 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 combine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's that could be a possibility that he falls. Well, and I, I also think the needs kind of factor in here for other teams. Sure, right? absolutely. A lot of these, yeah, yeah. That between picks nine, ten, eleven, twelve, you know, those are all teams that need offensive tackles, and that's probably the range where two or three of those guys go off the board. So, uh, given the positional value, it, it, it certainly could be possible that Brown falls that far. Um, let's let's hope he does because man, that would be fun to see him you know, in the teens falling to the Cowboys and what that would look like on this defense. That is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Lockdown Cowboys, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you next time.